This is Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast, Guys and Doll, recorded Thursday, December 7, 2012. This time on UCAP, Amy Laboda joins us in the hangar. We admire a long-standing floating fly-in in South Carolina. The White House is going to start using the V-22 Osprey as part of the presidential travel fleet. And yes, we've got a little lust in our hearts for some Blackbird porn. All of this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> all right, we better do this or we're going to be here all night long. Um, any... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we start, start this, just... Um, yes. um, and never mind. <laughs> what? Never mind. Never mind. All right, I'm just going to have Thank to cut... Thank you, Emily Latella. I'm just going to have to cut it out when you bring it up in the, in the, during the body of the podcast. <laughs> I <now>. miss Emily. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speak... Uh, no, I don't know. This is not speaking... I was going to say speaking of Emily, but Emily had nothing to do with porn, and this first item on the list does. Jeb, SR-71 porn. Yes. Uh, a bunch of cool pictures of... A bunch uh, of cool pictures. Of, what do they call it? A Blackbird, right? No? Blackbird. Blackbird, yeah. SR-71 Blackbird. Fastest machine in the sky that wasn't really in space, and that's debatable? And that's well, the they, they won't tell us, the right? fastest air-breathing machine that hasn't been. Yeah, I'll buy that. Right. I think they went pretty darn high in these things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, I, now, I know they breached six six zero zero in this puppy. Yeah. Oh, all and the I've time. Heard, I've, yeah, I've heard 80 was where they could go when they absolutely positively couldn't stay where they were. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 80s I, like I the it. drift down altitude or something. But we don't. We they've never acknowledged those those heights, have they? Those altitudes, right? Well, yeah. some of that's been in print. I well, mean, uh, yeah, and that makes it book. right because why? Yeah, I know. Really, <laughs> the the four of us are in the print business. So, how reliable do we think it is? Come on, six hundred. I think is a little bit of an exaggeration. I can certainly see you know sixty thousand feet. Yeah, sixty thousand feet is what he meant. Oh, he's 60. He, I think he was talking yeah, about flight, flight level. 60's, flight level six zero zero. Sixties below the drift down altitude for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I always thought you said six hundred. I was, eh, I don't know about six hundred. No, a buck fifty, I can get. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. You well, think it went the, to one hundred fifty thousand? Really? Much the of sur- what I've, says here, except, the service ceiling is eighty five thousand feet. But I, I, yeah, right. right. I bet it's gone to a hundred. Oh, I bet if, it's gone over. If, if, if Ding back came Yeager out of can, the balloon at 120. Yeah, if Chuck Yeager can take a, an F-104 to 110. Come oh, on. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was an old airplane. And that was an old airplane, single-engine airplane. <laughs> um, I can't let this pass. Amy, you weren't with us when we talked about uh, Fearless Felix. Dingbat? Oh, I'm sorry. I called him Dingbat. That was really rude of me. Dingbat. <laughs> You're not impressed, I take it, huh? He was terrified. You know, I kind of buy that. I, 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 I kind of buy that, too. But, and not but, because of the claustrophobia thing. Everybody made a big deal about the claustrophobia. I think beyond that, I think he was scared to death. Yeah. I think he was scared he was going to die, <laughs> that this was yeah. not all going to work out perfectly. And and when you see him spinning in the video on the way down, yeah. you're oh, pretty yeah. sure he's seeing his life pass See, that's what I said, too. I said that that was a pretty, pretty chaotic spin, not something just sort of a, you know, tumble kind of thing. I agree with you, Amy. That was a pretty dramatic tumble that he was in. I uh, I, I couldn't watch that for more than about 30 seconds at a time without a wastebasket handy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Jeb, were you trying I mean, to jump in here? It just made me want to hurl. 
Jeb, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I was not trying to jump. Oh, okay, all right. Um, you know what? You talk about the spin thing. You know what this puts me in mind of? Um, when um, Mike Melville flew the uh, Spaceship right. One, that f- oh yeah, was it the first time yeah. or the? Um, and and he got himself into some nasty little gyration. I remember watching that because they had some really good cameras on it. And thinking, and 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 we sort of knew. You know, I don't know Mike Melville, but I've I've seen him in person. I've seen him talk at Oshkosh and that kind of thing. So I feel like you know he's one of the gang, so to speak. And I'm watching this thing on TV, going, "Oh my God, Mike Melville is going to die today," because it looked pretty pretty nasty there for a little while. But then he got it back under control, and I don't know whether Felix got it under control, but he certainly came out of the tumble. And uh, oh yeah, if you watch the whole video all the way through, uh, you see where as he gets deeper into the atmosphere his body actually starts to exert some control right. force over his attitude and, and, and direction well they also and had he some eventually gets himself pretty much stable yeah they also had some sort of drogue shoot or something that he uh, some sort of spin shoot kind of thing right that he right. could deploy not the main shoot but there was sort of a get out of a spin kind of shoot that uh, he could deploy yeah. or that would deploy automatically now that I stop and think about it I remember hearing something about how if uh, you know, oh yeah, and I think he had an automatic deployment device on the whole system. On the whole system, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, if something catastrophic had befallen him up at higher altitude, he could have well still been unconscious when he got down to. Uh, it's time to open Felix altitude. Uh, altitude, and, you know, altitude. those devices have been around for uh, several decades now. Yeah. That will open the. It release the canopy at a predetermined altitude. Right, right. and they're fairly well, reliable. <clears throat> they're fairly reliable uh let's put it this way it's one more extra chance that you don't have without it yeah yeah That's so true. getting That's back to true. the well uh the, the, but we go back to sr-71 yes part. please oh yeah <laughs> and so this I airplane mean, we're talking about all kinds of of space porn kind of sort of you know in 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 its way um but but yeah. the sr-71 so- is a very sexy machine i agree so much of what's out in the public venue was was put in the public venue by guys that used to fly the machinery. Mm-hmm. Right uh, now, so this airplane. I give them a lot of I, I give them a lot of credibility, just kind of automatically on the. I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Now it's been well over ten years since the SR seventy ones flew. Right? Am I right about that? It's been quite some time. You don't think there's a couple laying around that, that are you know? Well, that was going to be my question. Kept warm. I, I, I no. I gotta believe that there are Jeb. Absolutely. No, I think there's a. Isn't there another design that's the super secret high altitude, very fast spy plane these the Aurora? days? Aurora. Aurora. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. It doesn't. The, you, ever, you think the stories about the rumors about the Aurora have any uh, any credibility? I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that there's something that's faster and higher than the SR-71 um, that hasn't well. been advertised. We are, we're not leaving ourselves with just the U two. No, I mean, come and on. We have we it, have satellites for a lot of that too, but still, right. yeah, satellites have their own limitations. But they're they're mm-hmm. good at a lot of stuff. They're not good at everything, and really rapid response is one of the things that they're not best at. Yeah, okay. SR seventy ones are really good at that. All right. Uh, before we go any further, let me say, wait a minute, it's here someplace. I'm sorry, I lost my place here. Welcome, folks. Welcome, folks. <laughs> to episode 312 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm here with my uh, three good friends today. Three of my dear friends are, are, are with us in the virtual hangar tonight. Uh, first of all, Dave Higdon's out there talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. How are you doing, David? 
Doing, look, just doing wonderful. I, I was just thinking, I, I wouldn't have been able to see an SR-71 if it landed here today. But no, yeah. I would have heard it. Visibility's down, huh? Yeah, ceiling's down, uh, muffles the sounds a good bit. But that would have, that, that would, that, that airplane stands out. I would have heard it. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't think I ever saw one fly or heard one fly, but uh, I've walked around them. Uh, there's one, there was one in a couple, well, uh, they're in lots of museums now, but uh, there was one on display at a museum. It was kind of cool. Anyways, uh, Jeb Burnside's here, too. He's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing well. Got some stuff accomplished this week and uh, uh, looking forward to a great weekend. Mm-hmm. Put another magazine to bed, I take it, huh? I did. Yay, congratulations. Right. Yeah. And also joining us uh, this uh, week, uh, if, for the first time in quite some time, although you were on a recent episode uh, from China, Amy Laboda is here. Hi, Amy. Hi. I know all about putting babies to bed, Jeb. Yeah. yeah, you're working on your. You're not done with your magazine. See, it's like you, you. You apparently were working on it up until the time we started this phone call, right? Well, I had an art director who was a little concerned about some stuff, and and I I explained that all of that looks so much better on Monday morning. <laughs> so we're going to pick it up on Monday morning. The nice thing about our printer is they will let us uh, let us upload again if we need to. Yeah, yeah I've, I've they got don't a few penalize things. us. I've I should explain the Monday morning to apply over the weekend, and uh, I'll, I'll be finished with it on Monday at some point. Yeah, I should explain yeah. to, to folks that it's Friday afternoon uh, for us right now. That's that with the Monday comments are coming from, uh, and uh, and Amy's talking to us also from uh, Florida, from Fort Myers, Florida, where sunny. Uh, yeah. Sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> warm, where warm, delightful, <laughs> delightful. Well, I lovely. Know. I don't know. I'm trying to come down there. I'm going to be down there in. Uh, I'm, I've got a a, a a an event job, a, a rent pan job in uh, late January. So I'm definitely going to be in Orlando for that, and uh, I'm hoping to combine that with a trip down to uh, Sebring, which will be kind of fun. And uh, Sebring just continues to grow. It sounds like it's going to be bigger than ever this year. So that'll be kind of yeah, fun. Yeah. What are the dates on Sebring this year? Do you know? I can look it up. Let's see here. Let me find my calendar. Yeah, my calendar. Let's see now. Sebring is uh, January. January 17 through 20. <laughs> What's the matter? You're going to be back. You're going to be back. I own a ticket to Paris that weekend. <laughs> mm. Well, right. I have a I have a child who's who's living in Paris for the year. Well, ah, very cool. We, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, so that's that that trumps Sebring, but I'll I'll figure it out. Where I are your, I can get there the day before. Where are your priorities? Sebring will be there next year. Yes. And so will Paris. Uh, you should do Paris. Yeah, well, I actually own the ticket, so. <laughs> well, and it's I'm only been Paris. waiting. It's only been waiting about eleven hundred years for you, for for your visit. So. Yeah, so true, yeah, so cool. true. But but Sebring's supposed to be terrific this year. It, it, well, what have you heard? What have you heard, J- uh, Amy? Just that they're going to be. There'll be some actual meetings with a little bit of teeth in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also uh, that there's going to be a pretty good exhibit area. People seem seem like they are energized this year. Like they, the election is over. We don't have to deal with that anymore. We just need to get on with, with figuring out how to get things back and get growth going again. Yeah, 
if we can survive January first, but that's a that's another podcast altogether, I guess. But I uh, was going to say nobody knows what's going to happen there. Uh, that's really up to our our elected officials in Washington at this point because yeah. they don't seem to want to listen to us. So. Yeah, right. I know. So we, when we uh, <laughs> Jeb is like just grinding his teeth right and now. And the surprises you want, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I never said there was surprise involved. <laughs> one last thing I want to mention about Sebring is that our pals from Sun and Fun Radio are going to play a big role at Sebring this year. Uh, Sun and Fun, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to call it. Maybe they're going to call it something like Sun and Fun Radio at the Sebring um, Sport Flying Expo or something like that, because Sun and Fun Radio is going to be broadcasting uh, for the four or five days of Sebring. Um, our, our pal Dave Schaubetter's taking his uh, taking his motorhome down there, and they're going to park it in the midst of the grounds, and that's going to be headquarters for the radio for whatever the radio station is. Um, and uh, they're going to do their basic, you know, interviews, you know, throughout the day each day thing f- during Sebring. It'll be kind of cool. The big difference is uh, that it won't be broadcast on a, a terrestrial radio station. It will. Will be streamed on the internet, uh, and uh, that'll be kind of cool. That'll be kind of cool. So, so it'll be going through a series of tubes. <laughs> a series of tubes. <laughs> there are a series of tubes. Hey, so what were you, uh, the couple of things? What else is on the list here? Let's see. Uh, Jeb, you call, tr- called our attention to this discussion on the forums. This, this forums thread about you, you described it as of ducks and sanity clauses. What what, what caught your attention? This is. You tell me, Wait, I'm Wait. always. I'm just always. There's no a such thing as a sanity club. There's yeah, no I know. such thing as a sanity. I'm just always a sucker for some Marx Brothers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this goes back to an episode we did quite some time ago that I don't know if we titled it um, Why a Duck, but we got into the question of the line Why a Duck and where it all came from. I forget exactly what it was. And and there was a bit of a of a of a forum thread from a few listeners who had no clue what the quote was all about and uh, um, which apparently isn't I, I thought everybody would know the phrase why a duck and know that it was a Marx Brothers thing. But but even even our uh, Jeff Ward uh, didn't know it off the top of his head and had to do some research when he was putting together show notes, and that's when he discovered that it was a Marx Brothers movie thing. So, um, well, there, there are fewer and fewer people these days who've uh, shot an elephant in their pajamas yeah. and then wondered later how the elephant got in their pajamas to begin with. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's something like that. Uh, so uh, they're all uh, talking about why a duck and what does this mean and... Uh, um, and I don't know how that led to uh, one listener saying it now seems inevitable to me that there will be a UCAP uh, episode entitled Sanity Clause. Oh, wait a minute. There's a link to What is Sanity Clause a link to? Let's look here. Uh, it's a YouTube video. Uh, okay, it's just it's another Marx Brothers clip, which I won't listen to now because nobody else can hear it. Anyways. So that's the uh, that's the of ducks and sanity clause here, and, and that whole bit that ends with the line about the sanity clause, uh, that whole bit runs almost five minutes, uh, as the two Marx brothers go over this long contract. I think isn't this from a night at the opera? I don't know. I, I didn't listen I to more know. than two seconds of it because I didn't want to get bogged yeah, I, down. I'm here. pretty sure it's from a, the night at the opera. Uh, where they're going through this big long contract, and one or the other of them keeps throwing out things. To, instead of marking it out, they just rip that part of the paper off. Yeah, oh, the sanity clause is the last standing. I see. Yeah. 
Uh, in the in the, the uh, if recent, you believe in those kind of things. In a recent posting on the uh, generalaviationnews.com uh, website, uh, our pal uh, Dan Johnson has a piece where he talks about the fact that the physical changes to speaking of sun and fun, the physical changes to Paradise City, the uh, what what in the past has been the ultralight area at Sun and Fun, um, these changes are now under underway. We heard a little bit about the, this at the end of Sun and Fun last spring. Um, that they're going to uh, really, really—they've been kind of merging the LSA activities with this, with the ultralight activities for some time now. And uh, then they—they they talked about a plan uh, last spring where they were going to make some physical changes, and I don't know what lengthen the runway or lengthen the overruns, or I don't—but make some physical changes to make it even more conducive. And uh, and Dan writes uh, in General Aviation News that, um, that 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 construction has now begun, and that they're moving Earth, and that they're. Uh, they're uh, doing some interesting things. I, I was very excited about, about this when I heard it last spring. Mm-hmm. It, it really feels like par- I mean, Paradise City has always been uh, not unlike the ultralight area at Oshkosh. It's kind of the real grassroots aviation part of the of the fly-in, in my mind, anyways. And this is going to make it even more so. Um, they're going to make it so that uh, I what I heard was that they're not only going to be able to fly before and after the air show, but they may be able to fly during the air show, which seems not. That's what DJ is talking about. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy to me, but that's what I've heard. And uh, um, Well, there's never been a conflict. I mean, if the ultralight people who are really good, and the Paradise City folks, who are really good at knowing uh, how to get in and out of the airspace to use that runway. Uh, and the conflicts have been few and far between over, I don't know, what, 25 years going on? Th- no, 30 years that they've been flying ultralights in and out of Sun and Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of this has just been a matter of overcoming some institutional inertia, and some of it's been improving the facility to the point where more people are willing to fly there. Uh, I'm batting my eyes at some of the LSA people right now. Uh, <laughs> more people will be willing to fly there because some of their concerns have been met. The longer uh, period of time that they get to fly will help with some of those because those folks can then continue to do some of their demonstration work and not be shut down for what's usually three and a half or four hours for the air show and the preliminary to the air show and all that. Uh, So, you know, and the safety improvements alone have been a long time coming. Dave Piper and his crew of volunteers that work on this. They've been hard at this for years, and uh, I, I really think that the, the community is going to uh, owe them a, a, a big note when when we all get down there this spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be cool. I think. Did I also hear something about how they were going to try and bring um, the uh, what do they call the rotor uh, craft area? Isn't it, it's got a name? Chopper Town. Chopper Town. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to try and bring Chopper Town a little closer into the action. Uh, does has any of you heard anything about that, Amy? You're the rotor craft person here yeah of. i hadn't heard about that but it would be a good thing if they do it yeah it's because it's way it's down really there. lost out there yeah would it work to you know at, so at oshkosh what they the rotorcraft such as it is is part of the ultralight field i wonder if that makes any sense here i don't know I, well i don't see a problem with it 
um, I think you would really energize Paradise City if you brought in the rotocraft because um, some years it seems a little thin out there. But yeah. if you're really going to let the LSAs fly out of there, and you're going to make it bigger and you bring the rotocraft in, that will just absolutely energize that area. Yeah, I was, trying, really to con- would. I was trying to convince Dave Shellbetter that he should lift up the uh, radio station building and move it to Paradise City. I think that's going to be the happening place. Uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to let that. you do a remote from there. Yeah, I think that's going to be the place to hang out this have, year. Have you have you have you healed from the bruises yet? <laughs> well, you know, it's what that motorhome's for, right? But uh, anyways, it's going to be cool. Sun and Fun's coming up too, but Sebring first, then Sun and Fun. Um, getting getting closer and closer. Even though it's just getting to be winter up here in New England, I'm looking forward to spring already. So, Jeb, uh, have they approved the administrator yet? No, not yet. So not yet. Uh, this, I think this is a, this is an item from last week that we didn't get to, and I pulled forward. Is it still a thing? Uh, it, it, is, it, is it still progressing, moving forward? Well, especially since now DeMint is resigning, um, you would think that it would be moving forward. But um, so it was, in fact, some, some days ago, DeMint lifted his objection. Mm-hmm. DeMint being the Republican senator from South Carolina announced he's, he's resigning this year. Right. We announced earlier this week, I should say, he's resigning. Um, but, and and um, he had put one of these bureaucratic um, procedural blocks on the yeah, new he, administration. He put, a, he put a, a, a block on the vote uh, of Huerta for FA uh, administrator. And I would guess that before they adjourn for the year, uh, in addition to all the other nonsense that they're going to do, they will slide this one through. Oh, I hope so. There's yeah, nothing wrong with Michael. Nothing, nothing. Mike's a nice guy, which you know it may or may not be a problem for some people. Uh, he clearly knows the agency. He clearly relishes the job. Um, to to um, to start that process all over again. It'd be six months before we got an administrator if, if Huerta didn't make the cut. And it's, it should be a non-controversial gimme. Uh, let's, let's get it over with. Let's move on to something else. Yeah. So uh, Particularly since the, uh, the main catalyst for Dement's hold was settled on November 6th. Right. And, it, you know, we, we know the answer to the question. He didn't, want, he didn't want an appointee made while there was a chance that the other presidential candidate would be able to make that appointment. So right. he left a hold on it for and basically admitted to that, uh, was not, not hiding behind it, although I question the wisdom of adding to the length of time an agency with that much going on uh, uh, should be left under the uh, guidance of an acting. But that's changed. Time for them to do it. Yeah, let's go over move it. on. Yeah. So I came across this story. Uh, this is another uh, general aviation news story here. Um, the headline is, Oldest Fly-In Breakfast Club to Land at GMU, uh, which is apparently Greenville Downtown Airport. Um, I had never heard of this before. Um, this is, uh, uh, so the first graph is, uh, on the morning of Sunday, December 9, which is uh, this weekend, I guess, yeah, um, the uh, South Carolina Breakfast Club will be landing at the Greenville Downtown Airport. They have been traveling to airports in and right around South Carolina since 1938, ceasing wow. meetings only during World War II when there were restrictions on those aviation are, those fuel. Those are not some very fresh eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> is that like the 100-year egg? <laughs> yeah, right. No, this is very cool. This is, it is like, very cool. Th- so this is apparently a traveling, uh, uh, you know, pancake fly-in um, that uh, has been, I don't know if it's weekly or monthly, or let's see if it says here. 
Um, I believe it's monthly. And yeah, monthly uh, makes sense. Monthly, uh, yeah, no, no more, no more often than monthly. And look at the line, the picture down lower here. This is, this is, oh, this I is, uh, this is like uh, shades of Ponca City here, with a big line of people waiting for their food. Well, that, and uh, that, that's the first thing that struck me when I looked at this earlier today was the uh, the biggest difference that I could see is that that line would be outside, and all that serving stuff would be inside. With a huge cadre of volunteers doing it, because right. what they had somewhere over four hundred, which wasn't a record, when the three of us flew down there for breakfast, and I believe it was October four years ago. Yeah, it was October. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, it was that long ago. Yeah, we were all we were all down there for uh, for the uh, safety stand down. Um, so this is very cool. Mm-hmm. I like this idea a lot. This uh, three years ago, yeah. This sort of uh, sort of virtual flying club or, or breakfast club. This uh, um, three I, years ago. Wait. So wait. So that speaks to UCAP. Are we? Are you guys the longest going <laughs> podcast yet? We well, were, we were podcasting before. Uh, podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. All right. Let's get this straight. That's not true. We're not making that claim. Uh, no, the, no. The, what they called it in those days was more of an acronym for blowing snow, but then it's along the <laughs> yeah. same lines anyway. So. We started uh, this with a couple of uh, uh, links of string and, and four um, um, uh, empty um, baked bean cans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was, yeah, and I bet they were all wave files too. Right. Mm-hmm. I edit. I edited it on my Commodore sixty four, and uh, you know, so we no. well, we operated the whole thing under string theory. Yeah. No. No. None of this is true. <laughs> and, right? and actually, actually, Dave's voice got to me um, before he actually said anything. Yeah. So, uh, but there was a, a little bit of it was always cans. We we were not the first aviation podcast. There were aviation podcasts before us. We may well be able to lay claim to being the longest continuously running aviation podcast. Well, uh, see, I think that puts you in 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 line with the oldest flying breakfast club. Come yeah, on. yeah. So and in so in internet years. That's probably true. Yeah, that's true. It's a long time in internet years. <laughs> that, it makes makes it makes a good point. She does. Yeah. So now, but what I want to know is, does any who who gets the Nathan Detroit reference? <laughs> I, I did not. I did not, and I'm not getting the uh, oldest establishment, oldest established permanent floating crap game. You See, there here. you go, Amy. You laugh like you did. You got it right. Um, they were same same musical. Yeah, and 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 Dave, obvious. Dave is like, who would have thought Dave is the one who knows pop uh, culture better than anybody? But uh, you know, are you kidding? I did Guys and Dolls in student theater. And there you go. He's done everything. That's what we decided <laughs> yeah. after having dinner with him at NBAA. <laughs> well, junior year and senior year, our student theater, we did uh, Little Abner. Uh, we did Brigadoon. We did Guys and Dolls. Is there a video uh, of this? <laughs> I wish. I think oh, probably baby. there's some super rates I wish. somewhere. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, With yeah. his blue eyes, he must have been something up there on that stage. I know. Well, Did they it? made me one of the featured dancers in Brigadoon, and I got to wear a kilt. Stop now, that, please. That, yeah. Please just Idiot. stop now. That's just too much. <laughs> I want, can't. Yeah. yeah, I know. Anyways, Jeb, there's a, so there's a link to a really bad, really poor version. I was able to find it at the last second. We'll find you a better version of uh, Oldest Established uh, on YouTube. Uh, you know, or are you? Telling me that you that that uh, that I'm guys and dolls is not a DVD thing. that you happen no, to own. No, but I will pay for a picture of Higdon in a kilt. I, <laughs> I will contribute to this cause. 
You will, huh? Okay. Well, I think it's in the yearbook. No, no, no. But not a con- not a contemporary photo, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, Jim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave could go out and shoot a picture of himself. Money. Yeah, Dave could go out and put a, shoot a picture of himself and kill. I'm not paying for that. Yeah. Okay. Dave, before and after would be really, really deadly. I'd pay money to stay away from that. Anyways, if you're anywhere in the uh, central eastern seaboard area, South Carolina-like area, uh, I, 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 you should search out the South Carolina Breakfast Club. And, I want to uh, go to this. This is, this is worth yeah. flying. flying attend my attend one of their uh, regular like the uh, floating uh, pancake breakfasts here. And, uh, uh, we'll That'd just, be a good morning flight from central Florida. Not bad, not yeah. bad. You so, be there in two and a half hours. Be some I'm looking for a link. <laughs> well, now is that is that two and a half hours by RV or by Kit Fox? Well, and I'm in I'm in South Florida. No, it would be yeah. two two and a half hours by RV. Yeah, it'd be, I think it'd be depending more. on which way the wind is blowing. I think yeah. yeah, two and a half if there's a tailwind. Closer to three if there's not. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's a uh, fly. SCBC, as in fly South Carolina Breakfast Club dot com. Uh, right. And uh, they, uh, let's see now, what does it say? It says uh, how often? That's what I wanted to confirm here. Anyways, check that out if you're in that area and uh, and it sounds like a cool thing. And I mean, January, February, February, March. Oh, no, it's every, a little more. Every than, other Sunday. Yeah, it appears to be more often than monthly. Yeah. Every other huh? Sunday they do this. Seriously? Every other Sunday. Oh. Yeah, so These are some people who've got s- some time. It's the second sentence. Yeah, on so website. Greenville These are on the ninth. Early risers. These twin, are some morning people. Twin Lakes. Dedication. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I'm impressed. An airport called Twin Lakes, Sierra One Seven, on the December twenty third. That's as far as they go on their website here. But uh, yeah, anyways. no, it's no, not I'm, happening I'm for me on December twenty third. But I might do January eighth. Where are you seeing twenty eighth? Just January twenty second. No, no, those are those are twenty twelve dates, Dave. That's oh, I'm is, sorry, I'm uh, sorry. we got to go to twenty thirteen. You got to go all the way to the end, and they only go through this year. They haven't posted next year. And yet. that's if we get past the Aztec Day, right? What's that next week? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That day is coming up, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. December. December. What is it? Twenty first. Twenty first. I think. Yeah. Right. You know. Twenty first. Listeners oh, can well, rest assured. Got, I'm sorry. We we got a couple of weeks. <laughs> Listen, no, 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 no. See, listeners can rest assured. It's almost a certainty that that if you're listening to this podcast, it's past December 21st. Sorry, okay. sorry, so but and, and, if, and if in fact the world ended and you're still listening to this, good for you. Boy, it, it was a long time ago because you're a long way away from where we were. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to move along here. We're, we got a list here. Uh, I, think the, I think the Mayans had the right idea. Yeah, okay. I, I like the 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 um the what is it the Gary Larson cartoon that basically the guy's sitting there and he said, "Well, I ran out of room," so and the guy's going, "You're going to really freak somebody out one day." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like the uh, um, the Mel Brooks. Uh, uh, movie where the guy comes down from the mountain uh, Moses comes down from the mountain with the 50 oops 10 commandments yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right yeah oops well we didn't need those last five anyways yeah, yeah. yeah. so Jeb what's this story about airlines launch drive for national airline policy I mean why start now you know alright Jeb explain <laughs> it so they, yeah, they have to do something to justify their jobs yeah who's doing this now this is the, this is the A4A. executives A4A, okay, yep. And and what's the nature of this pol- air, national policy that they want to create? 
They don't. They don't know. They don't care. It's, oh, it's so this just is just a reason to keep people talking. Oh, you know? so it's just uh, for the same reason that they changed their name to the very hip A number four A. Uh-huh. Um, they're well, okay, you know. You got to hand it to somebody who knows how to use a press release, and uh, they're they're, they're well, complaining about the taxes that that are on airline tickets that people think that um, uh, the airlines get, but they don't. But you know they do get the float, so there's there's that. Um, and uh, oh, there's all kinds. You know, we, we basically they just want to control and, and more leverage over the FAA. So um, I'm trying to figure out how it is that they're overtaxed. When the majority of the taxes transacted on air on on airfares on common carriers, whether it's cargo or people, mm-hmm. is borne by the person doing the shipping. Right, right. Yeah, well, I they, was they, say the airlines could the care less. Yeah, they, they, could they care pay less. A, they pay a tax on on jet fuel. It's like it's yeah. like six cents a gallon, maybe. Come on. And 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 they pay a landed weight yes. type of uh, landed weight based fee. A lot of the airports that they operate in and out of, right. which yeah, they don't go they to if they can't subsidies. make money on it. So, mm-hmm. well, the entire air traffic control system, not to mention the airports and the terminals, are subsidies to this yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah. Born the cost of which is borne by the people who pay mm-hmm. for the tickets or the air cargo waybills, and and the local taxpayers, and the local taxpayers. True. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry, yourself. guys. You know how this reads to me. I mean, Go not that anybody it. asked. Do the way tell. this reads to me is, wow, we we want more tax breaks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that you guys can't figure out how to make money when you can sure figure out how to pay one another well. Right. Uh, when you got outfits like Southwest and uh, a couple of the other small carriers that seem capable of uh, ringing out a profit quite nicely and treating their employees fairly well and not being in a constant fight with them and not resorting to the bankruptcy code every time your profit and loss statements get out of whack and you can't figure out a smarter way to fix it. I, I did I say my, that out loud? I thought you my did. quote I thought my quote summed it up quite nicely. And that was right here on the on the list. Go, go quote read this it. this nation needs an airline policy so we can continue to monopolize the FAA, the ATC system, and airports, even as we dismantle long standing labor agreements and race ourselves to the bottom of the customer service pit. Airline executives did not say. Yeah, okay. Yep. All right. Well, I we, like it. We'll leave it at that, I guess. Amy, you were alluding to this earlier. You posted a story here about how uh, it feels like they're hiring again. They um, are. You're they feeling are. good about things, huh? There are jobs out there in manufacturing. There are jobs for AMPs. Heck, there's jobs for pilots and flight attendants these days. Yeah. Perhaps not coincidentally, wasn't it today or yesterday that the, uh, the in general there was a very good jobs report? A bunch unemployment dropped uh, uh, this time, and uh, you know more jobs are appearing. So I don't know. Yeah, I think things are definitely getting better. Uh, I, I mean, I, and I'm not just saying that because I read it on AIN online. I actually went <laughs> to a bunch of different job sites. And I looked, and, and that's what that link is. If you follow that link, yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing. The link, um, the link by the way, is slightly broken, but if you if you follow the suggestion, oh, I think yeah. it, it'll okay. work for you. Okay, sorry about that. No problem. Um, but I was on uh, Jobs Leaders and a couple of different big jobs board, and basically I was doing searches for Honda Aircraft Company. They are hiring. There are more than uh, two dozen jobs 
open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Embraer in Melbourne, more than two dozen jobs open. Well, that's a um, manufacturing facility. That's exactly right. And they're they're wanting to pump out eight a month. Boeing is hiring. Lockheed Martin, of all people, are hiring. All companies, I should say. Well, if you looked at if you if you look at the uh, the reports from Airbus and Boeing, uh, Bombardier's uh, airline operation, uh, Embraer, uh, and what the Chinese are doing to satisfy their own domestic market demand because I don't think there's much that's going to go outside the country for a while uh, there's a lot of money tied up in advance orders on, on airline equipment Yes, sir. going out the next 10 years and it's all on a fairly steady upward slope in terms of manufacturing output to match what they say is going to be the traffic growth uh, and being exacerbated or fed a little bit by concerns about where all the drivers are going to come from. Well, uh, that's exactly right. They are concerned that um, we will have a real, and I am so sorry to say it one more time, a real pilot shortage. And this time they're not kidding because you can't make anything as a pilot anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, 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 I don't think it's a bad time for pilots to start get paid closer to what the job is worth in terms of the level of responsibility and the amount of training, particularly since the nice folks in the U.S. Congress deemed it necessary to, uh, uh, on their own judgment largely, uh, raise the number of hours required to sit right seat on a a commercial airliner. I think that's going to impact a whole lot here in the next. I mean, it's going to make people like you and me employable at a commuter airline just by virtue of the fact that we meet the specs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a- Amy, this is no joke. I actually had a phone call two days ago from a friend of mine where they're looking for people with, that are instrument rated with four figure time. That's exactly right. <laughs> we we don't really care if you have it in turboprops. Uh, I didn't need turbine time, although the fact that I've blogged uh, turbine time for magazine articles and got a variety of uh, yeah. experiences, it, that was helpful. Uh, right. You, too, can go to work for $14,000 a year. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, was, uh, that was the funny thing. This was going to be kind of a part-time gig through something like an employment agency. Uh-huh. Uh where they could stick me in some like night flight cargo stuff where it only had to be single inch and high performance qualified. Oh yeah, there's a gig and, and start putting me right seat in stuff where I could sit right seat because of my hours and get enough multi time to eventually sit left seat and who knows after that. But what they were talking about on a per hour or per day basis was one of those where yeah, if I had a day to kill, uh yeah, damn straight. I said, now all I got to do is get a commercial ticket. At that part, I'm on my own. Yeah, okay. there's, there's, there's a just clicking around here on this, this job site. Uh, here's one for you um, Pilot, unmanned aerial vehicle for Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida. There you go. See? Yeah, you don't yeah. even need to leave you know, the san- yeah. sanctity of the ground. Nine, nine years of experience in, in flight operations, uh, minimum of 200 hours. Is pilot in command? Wait a minute. They, they want real. Hours. 
They want yeah. real pilots to fly the the drones. Yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to fly them. No, I understand that. Part. Unless they got to teach a licensed pilot, I an experienced just, pilot about. I, I didn't think their standards what's going were going to be happening with the drone they're flying than if they take somebody from scratch. I didn't well, think their that, standards were the, that high. All the flight sim guys just get Cheeto dust in the in the controls all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Hey, Amy. Sorry. <laughs> Amy, uh, this is not on the list, but I, I want to I want to visit this for a second here. Um, so a couple episodes ago, Amy, uh, I, you and I talked while you were still in China, uh, attending the China National Air Show, and uh, I'm just kind of curious. Part of the demand, right there. Now that there you're, you go. <laughs> now that you're back home, uh, any any final thoughts on that air show, and and how was your trip home? Uh, the trip home wasn't too bad, given United took two 747s out of service in Asia that morning. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't one sound which good. Was the one that I was supposed to be riding on, you know. So it's nothing like having 750 people competing for what was left of the seats on United back to the U.S., oh, particularly man. Chicago. I gave up on Chicago. I went through uh, through San Francisco and Dallas, and uh, the girl was like, "I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to put you on American through Dallas." And blah blah blah. I said, "2094." Into Fort Myers, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's a flight." I said, "No problem. I know that flight. Do I have a seat?" Yes, you have a seat. Cool. <laughs> so I'm coming home the same day. Yes. Cool. So, well, that's good. But but under the best of circumstances, door to door, how long did it take you to get from? It's it's a long time. I I left I left the place I was staying at six thirty in the morning. Okay. On Tuesday morning, Hong Kong time. Yep. I did not arrive in Fort Myers till 9.30 at night, uh, Eastern Standard Time, still on Tuesday. Yeah, I know. So, so I know there's a time, there's a wormhole involved here, right? But there, There's a serious <laughs> wormhole involved. We call it the international date line. Yeah, I know. So did, did you even do the math? <laughs> How long? Basically, I, I left the airport in Hong Kong around uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but I arrived in San Francisco at 8 o'clock in the morning of the same day. Right. All right. You don't know how long it took, did you? You're just no. It's thirty something hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's a guess. Yeah. <laughs> you feel all wobbly, and you think that the only thing that can solve your problems is a really good bourbon. Okay. <laughs> Maybe two. And, and it really yeah, only absolutely. adds to the problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. That's but almost always you true. You don't care at that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, and you're you're. Your brain is and your body are both so whipsawed in opposite directions yeah. because your body knows that you've been through close to 40 hours of being in motion, and, relocating. And smell you. There's that, too. I actually mm. changed clothes in Dallas because I couldn't stand the yeah. clothes I had on anymore. But and, your, your brain yeah. it keeps getting all these signals that it's like just later the same day. Yeah. yeah, your brain just gives up is what happens, quite frankly. Yeah, it's just totally. And that's probably the best thing that could ever happen to you because you actually are on time zone the next day, but you're exhausted at about noon. Mm -hmm. Chris Angel, notwithstanding, jet lag on a global scale was the original mind freak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I have all kinds of really cool, you know, um, meditation little mp3s and things right. to try and get myself to sleep 
and get some quality sleep mm-hmm. on the airline. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I was I was in a coach seat, and not only that, but I lost my aisle seat. I was in a center seat oh, for oh. most of the way home oh, in coach. No. And at that point, you don't care anymore because all you're thinking is I'm. I had completely forgotten that it was thanks that like the day before the day before Thanksgiving, oh, which wow. really is only once removed from the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't understand. <laughs> and all I could all I could think about was I don't want to be on the day before Thanksgiving. So whatever you can do to get me home now. I was I was already in the line and and quite frankly frankly I'll give a little plug for TripIt Pro because it told me that my leg to Chicago canceled when I was in the line to get on the plane to Tokyo, which is where I was supposed to get that flight. And I stepped out of the line and went over to the gate agent who said, oh, no, 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 the little Japanese gate agents are going to be waiting for you. They're going to take care of you when you get there. And I looked at her and I said, no, I want you to take care of me here. (laughs) Wait a minute. You went went Hong Kong to Tokyo, Uh, Tokyo to San Francisco? Nope. I went Hong Kong to San Francisco because I refused ah, okay. to get back on the on the Tokyo airplane and become the the Japanese agent's problem. I okay. said, "No, I I think I'll be your problem." Yeah. Amy, you use TripIt. We should become TripIt friends, and that way we can stalk each oh, other. Know that you yeah. can stalk me. <laughs> it's like I don't... it's really nice of you to offer. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nothing but the best here, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, TripIt for people. TripIt is a system that will basically keeps track of your flight, your travel itineraries. It's actually pretty cool. You know, when I get a when I get an email travel itinerary from you know the, an airline or a hotel or whatever, you can just actually forward that email straight to TripIt. And this has nothing to do with general aviation, by the way. Sorry. No, and, but it, it it's travels. So and it will and it will parse. GA pilots are very heavy users of the airline. Yeah, I know, right? Believe it or not, it's true. And it will parse the uh, itinerary and. And input it into your uh, into your TripIt you know database, and 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 there and the, as a result, you have all of your travel information in one place. It's very handy, and uh, look at it on your desktop machine or your hand or your your uh, you know your mobile device or whatever. It's kind of cool, but you can you can you can uh, declare you know you kind of become friends. I'm making little air quotes here, uh, friends with other TripIt users, and it will periodically send you an email saying so and so is going to be traveling to Las Vegas, and so and so is going to be traveling to Hawaii. Oh, and, is that uh, going to be anything like so-and-so just got an upgrade? Nini, nani, nini. Yeah, well, something like that. Anyways, so Amy, if we become friends, uh, you and I will know everything there is to know about e- each other's travel plans, for better or worse. Anyways, we better move on here. Uh, well, Amy, final thoughts about uh, the China Air Show or your visit to China? Yeah, I have to say that on some levels I was really impressed that the show had grown in the two years since I had been there last. And it's only every two years that they have this show, though they're considering having it yearly. Um, I was really um, intrigued by some of the things that I was told by both Western companies and Eastern companies. But the overall feeling is that everybody was in a giant holding pattern uh, waiting for the change of command in Beijing, which was happening simultaneous with the air show. And the hope was that more airspace would be wrestled away from the Air Force and given to general aviation in China. And, 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 and 
I can only use the word hope because that's really all they had tangible wise. Mm-hmm. Um, even overhearing conversations of people who are in the know, you couldn't get much more than that from it. Yeah. So well, there's um, a huge amount of momentum uh, and a significant amount of investment. Oh, yeah. Tied up, tied up in the prospect of that airspace opening up. So that all the other things that the business community and the government's civil side want to realize, like, you know, building more airports and developing more businesses in outlying areas where people can stop moving into cities to get jobs because they'll exist out there. All of this uh, stuff depends on that. Dave, they're building the airports anyway. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. And, and I had conversations with people who said, yes, we're doing flight training. We're doing all this stuff. And we can't fly from one side of Beijing to the other in a helicopter yet. But we will. We will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I you know, that's, a, that's what I heard over and over. I had a one-off client uh, uh, contact me early this year. And they just signed a big contract to do a huge amount of business in China, basically building FBO network and teaching the Chinese how to service business aviation teaching them a fueling business uh, on the front line basis, uh, training their people, staffing the FBOs and building the FBOs in China. They will be owned by the Chinese, but mm-hmm. they will be operated and managed by these people that are in this business here in the U.S. And the amount of money that they were talking about that was committed for the next five years, even without the airspace guaranteed open, yeah. was just, you know, and these guys were just one little element of the whole thing. Right. When you rolled around everything else that they were connected to that was happening simultaneously to this, the new airport constructions uh, demanding the new FBOs, uh, more ways to build more airplanes and train more pilots so that they can fly to more places where they've built new airports. They're like, how can the military stop this from happening if its top leadership says it's going to happen? Well, you know, you got to be careful on that because it's top leadership in the military are actually kind of sort of the same thing. <laughs> okay? It yeah. is not like we got here. You, you're it's reaffirming real, my point. real, real, real different. But, but there's two things going on. One, people are buying the machines anyway, and they're actually using them anyway. And in the virtue of uh, the the cellular revelation revolution in the states, where I'm going to tether until my until my cell company tells me to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like the fine is less than actually trying to go through the process of of getting a legal flight plan. So there's that. Than, than permission. Thank you. Forgiveness instead of permission. And then there is the other side of it, which which is that um, that's 1.4 billion people. Yeah. With a B. It's yeah. a lot of people. You don't go to a small Chinese restaurant. You don't, you know, every, everything is big in China. The crowds, the, the it, it just, it's astounding. And we're not used to so many people. But over there, that means that there are a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of money. Uh-huh. Oh, really? huge. Okay. And they want to be able to fly privately. 
hmm. period. Interesting. You're, you're, you're and they will. Pretty much under, you're pretty much backing up everything that, I'm, uh, that yeah. I've been told and, 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 and what I believe is going to happen. Because the fact that there's such a one and the same in the people who decide, you know, in the what's going to be military, what's not going to be military, and the folks that run the government in general, and the folks that are helping them along in the business community. Uh, I think that this is just a matter of somebody sitting down and saying, okay, uh, it's time. We can put it on paper now. Uh, we can make it easier. We can make it cheaper, simplify it a whole lot. And everybody will happy be happy. There's no security risk that we can't overcome because we'll still reserve the right to shoot them down if we feel like we need to. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're actually, you know, it's not even that. It's that they're not worried about shooting anybody down, Rogue. What they, what would be ideal is if we could invent an airplane where nobody can look down as it flies along. <laughs> it they has have nothing those. to do with cargo airplanes. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the aircraft being in the air. It has everything about controlling what they see from sure. the airplane. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Amy, one last question before we move on. What was it like to be a journalist in China? Uh, you know, it was interesting. It was interesting. I didn't feel any issues at all. Um, but there was one moment, uh, the last day I was at the show, and I was trying to get some information. I was trying to get some some numbers about how many business or general aviation flight plans um, the CAAC person was processing in a day. I'd actually been introduced to her, and uh, she'd explained to, through a translator that her job was to process general aviation flight plans. They came through her office, and she approved them or didn't approve them based on somebody above her and what they said, and then they went back out again. And I said, cool, how many a day? You know, where do they go? You know, and and I kept asking these questions, and I was trying to clarify whether how many a day or how many hours or you know, and finally the woman who was actually doing the translating, who worked for Global Jet, very nice lady, um, in in I believe Shanghai, she looked at me and she said, "Well, are you a spy? Why are you asking so many questions?" <laughs> okay, I mean, was this kind of just a friendly warning, or did you feel it was a threat, or? No, I think she was joking. I totally think she was joking, but it definitely made me take two steps back and go, "Okay, fine, whatever." <laughs> Interesting. But did you so yeah. you you never felt like you were pressured by anybody to uh Well, let's just say I've never been asked at Aero Friedrichshafen or eBay or or, you know, any place like that if I was a spy. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. That's all. <laughs> Not even NBAA. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> we are we're all spies. Here, of course, we are reaching. You know, well, that's that's that's, we, and we do our work in public, yeah, which makes yeah. us really dangerous journalists. Yeah, no, I, I I was I was actually treated quite well. I have to say, so mm -hmm. I can't I can't beat up on them for for one person's joking comment. But um, you know, you do remember sometimes that you're a journalist in a country that um, works differently than ours. Yeah. I'll feel landing of the week here. Uh, so do I have this right? Up until about whatever it was, two or three or four years ago, there had been one um, 
uh, airliner successful airliner ditching in the history of airlines. And uh, and in the last two years, we've had like, or not two years, last few years, we've had two now. Well, define successful. Uh, you know, people survived. People floated away. You know, and any ditching you can float away from. I don't know. I so I don't know. Was I right about this? So we had the U.S. Airways uh, uh, miracle on the Hudson thing um, a few years back, and I I seem to remember a story about an, an airliner that ditched out in the Pacific a long time ago um, that managed to get met up by some sort of shipping, you know, ship. Um, and uh, and now we've got an Embraer turboprop that ditched uh, in uh, oh see where who put the story on the list I probably put it on the list in the Indi- Indian Ocean uh, Brazil yeah all, Indian Mozambique. Ocean all twenty nine aboard the Embraer E one twenty ER Brasilia turboprop survived a ditching off the Comoros Islands near Mozambique Tuesday uh, this, is, this goes Brasilia back Brasilia f- was their hot stuff. Yeah, thirty seat regional airliner back in the mid nineteen eighties. Yeah, really fast. They passed when at the rollout. They passed out T shirts that said, "Try to catch me on the front and on the back." It said, "I do three hundred knots." Yeah. Well, this one, this one apparently is a little bit worse for the wear because uh, apparently sometime after takeoff, they discovered that they were leaking gas like great or fuel like crazy. And uh, and uh, the crew recognized this and tried to head back to a runway and didn't quite make it, and uh, ditched into in the uh, in the water, uh, ditched in the water. You know what I mean? And uh, um, and apparently everybody's okay. But uh, so, uh, what am I remembering here? Was there another successful? Have there been successful ditchings prior to you know, the U.S. It's, Airways? It's a shame that in this day and age, <laughs> here we, we don't go. have some tool. We can use. I only have one thing to, to say in my defense: line and kugels. All right. Um, what, what is it? What's what does it say, Jeb? Did you look it up yet? Well, there's a believe it or not, there's a link. Okay. There's a Wikipedia entry, as I seem to recall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does it say? Well, there's a Pan Am Flight Six. That was that's probably the most famous prior to uh, the Miracle on the Potomac, quote unquote. I'm, I just use that as a short. Potomac Hudson. <laughs> Um, airliner ditching. Um, yeah. Let's see. What's the what's the? Um, all were rescued by the Coast Guard before the last pieces of wreckage sank. There were only a few minor injuries. Da 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 da. This was um, on October 16, nineteen fifty six. There you go. See. There we go. The Dark Ages. An American Flight 6, mm-hmm. a four-engine Boeing 377 Stratocruiser. Oh. Honolulu to San Francisco, engine trouble, uh, ditched near a U.S. Coast Guard ship in the daylight. And uh, as I just said, uh, everybody got out. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, now lower in this article, there's a whole big list of what's car- what's labeled as passenger airplane water. Well, it's passenger airplane water ditchings. Of course, is Amy on this list? Let's see here. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amy. I, I Bad was joke. Not, 
in in a in a part one thirty five or part one twenty one or one twenty five or anything like that. This is Wikipedia, though. You, we could add Jack. You. you really do like to live dangerously, don't you? <laughs> this is, I just this is Wikipedia. We should add Amy to this list. Don't <clears throat> add Amy to the list. Oh, okay, then. all right, we won't then. That would just taint the Wikipedia. <laughs> well, that's kind of my point, but okay. Um, you know what stuns right. me is they actually got photos of Pan Am Flight Six ditching. Yeah. Yeah, you well, gotta love them for that. You gotta love them. You gotta, for that. You gotta That's love almost it. worth con- contributing yeah. to their yearly campaign, right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool picture here in the Wikipedia entry of uh, of it. I don't know. Soon after touchdown, big splash. Yeah. So you gear up, flaps down. <laughs> yeah. Was that that? Never mind. I was going to make what? a joke about that. Maybe maybe flight six was near the beginning of Sully's career, and uh, <laughs> he was he. <laughs> too much line in Google, man. Too he much was, line in Google. I got to. Um, I got to stop. Uh, carried passenger. Yeah. Okay. So um, the the uh, the White House. I don't know the 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 Navy or the Marines or somebody having to do with transporting the president and his entourage. That would be the Marine Corps. Are going to add at least one Osprey to the fleet. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, apparently this is going to become one of the aircraft that kind of accompanies Marine One, that big uh, limo helicopter. Yeah, uh, but they're not going to put the president in it, are they? Well, you know, I see. I was tempted to make jokes about they're going to put the press in the Osprey, but yeah. I'm on the record. <laughs> But I'm on the record of liking Ospreys, so I shouldn't be making those kinds of jokes. I thought uh, China was bad. I know, huh? So, uh, <laughs> no, no, this is a story. What is this story? This is a story from uh, uh, thehill.com. Is this a reputable uh, uh, government? Yeah, um, as far as anything on the Hill is concerned. Website? Yeah. Um, Osprey internet uh, journalism just remember that yeah Osprey to take on White House <laughs> transport mission in 2013 White House officials will have a new way to travel when the V22 Osprey officially becomes part of the presidential helicopter fleet in 2013 uh, let's see now. It talks about what the airplane's all about. Uh, the White House Ospreys will fill a, quote, purely administrative role, end quote, as VIP transport for Secret Service personnel, administration staff, and press accompanying the president yeah, while on travel. Yeah, so, right. okay. No, 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 no. It's a joke. It was just a joke. Um Anyways, no, it's cool. I've always said I like I, the Osprey. People that l- mail on this episode. Long-time listeners <laughs> know that I like the Osprey. I think it's a cool airplane, and I hope to get a ride one day. And uh, um, I think it's neat that it's going to become part of the uh, the fleet. So, uh, so that's kind of neat. Nothing you guys want to add to that, huh? Well, I mean, have they have they gotten to the computer controls on it? I mean, the, it was just such a controversial aircraft. Um, and my question is, did they ever make it fly well? I think they have. I, my, I mean, I'm, I've never flown anything like that kind of an airplane, but my understanding was that the big gotcha was that there were flight dynamics that they didn't quite understand initially. The ground, um, there was that whole descend into yeah, the rotor wash yeah. thing, which is... Yeah, dynamics or, or uh, I forget right? the correct word. Amy, but, you, yeah. yeah, Amy, you, we talked about this with you, I think, at one point. All right, there's the whole thing about descending into your rotor wash, yes. especially with a Vortex twin rotor, rain. especially with yes. a tw- with a twin That's rotor helicopter. You. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, you pointed, you called our attention to the uh, TV show. Which one was it? MacGyver or there was a TV show that had a helicopter that 
did this kind of thing and they ended up using the shot. Jack, I, I got to stop taking these long distance flights because your memory is way better than mine. But I believe you totally. <laughs> All right. But don't do you, whether or not you remember telling me, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes, what, what's I do. The, what was I the totally TV show what you're talking about? What was the TV? It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. What was kind the TV? Watch. What was the TV show? It was well, like we're not talking about the helicopter accident that was in uh, in the uh, uh, oh, Jiminy. It was a movie. Uh, Twilight Zone movie. No, 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 no. That's not what we're no, talking about. That's oh, not okay. Okay. No, no, that's not okay. There was a TV show. It's relative. It's not very recent. All right. And there was a shot in the TV show of a helicopter landing, and I, I don't have it in my head. I, I can't find it right now. And um, and apparently yeah. the helicopter got into this kind of mess with the rotor wash or whatever the vortex ring thing. Vortex ring. You know. Yeah. There was there yeah, was a no, video. I remember it. I remember it and, clearly now. Yeah. And, and they, they ended up bringing video. it all back to me. They ended yeah, up using a video on the internet here a year or so ago. Uh huh. Of I think it was in South America. Okay. Uh, and I think it was a Bell helicopter that was being operated, and it was. Actually, it was on the ground, but the rotor was turning, and it just started to shake itself apart. No, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's, oh yeah, I remember that. But that's something else too. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, I know which no, one you're talking no, about. That's not different. what I'm talking. All right, sorry. Hang on, I may have to edit out this pause while I look this up on the internet here. A helicopter it's TV show it. landing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what it was. What does that get me? Let's see here. Uh, no, it's not Airwolf. It's not. Uh, and uh, I really, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm being very sincere in saying I, you remember things way better than I do. Yeah, well, it's uh, Blue Thunder, MacGyver. Oh, wait, here we go. I think this is it. I think this is, oh. So, uh, Helicopter Ground Resonance is the YouTube That's video. That's it, Ground Resonance. Helicopter See? Ground Resonance. I was waiting oh, yeah. for the, I'm the, watching, the, the terminology. So, right now, there. I'm watching um, a YouTube video that is the opening credits of an episode, apparently, of MacGyver. And we're looking down on from a much higher high, uh, level of a helicopter approaching a, a heliport on top of a building. And it's coming into land on the top of the building. And as it begins to touch down on the building, hang on. I'm just going to describe it as it goes on here. It's it's touching down, and come on, show us the whole thing. It's now it's touched down. The blo- the rotors are still spinning. The passengers have gotten out and are kind of moving away from the helicopter, and the helicopter starts to shake. It's shaking pretty bad, and uh, apparently the the solution is you got to take off. So it's related to that one, Jeb. That one where it shook. Mm-hmm, all right, mm-hmm. it's related to that. It's- same phenomenon, um, but gotcha. this this helicopter in that was being used in the in the footage for MacGyver got itself into this state, and because the pilot recognized what was going on and took the proper action, which is to take off, um, he got out of it. But if you watch this footage for just a few seconds, you begin to see this helicopter start to shake kind of dramatically. And if you don't know what you're looking at, you might not realize it. But they apparently used this footage in the show, um, an episode of MacGyver. Um, is what it was. Let me see if I can give you guys the link if you haven't found it already. Let's see here. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember this. Yeah, there as we go. You describe it. I remember it well. It should have come through on your Skype right now. So, anyways, I, I'm looking at it already. It was like, mm-hmm. boy, as soon as it started to shake, that guy says, "I'm out of here." Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, 
So that may or may not have didn't any bother to close the door. So that may or may not have anything to do with the V twenty two problems that they had early on. But uh, no, uh, I, I'm inclined to think that they've figured out the Osprey V twenty two things. And uh, I mean, if they're willing to put them into the presidential fleet, it, it says something about their confidence level. Amy hmm. used the term correctly. What's that? They're only carrying the expendables. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think you're right, though. And I would, you know, the fantasy, the big problem with the Osprey was the fantasy of what that thing could do was so big. The expectations of, about it, that it, it, it harkens back to the Starship days, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so people <clears throat> thought, oh my gosh, this is a radical, revolutionary machine. It's going to do this, this, and this. And the answer is, well, it doesn't, yeah, it does a lot. But- but there's a lot of technical, you know, technical difficulties with a clean slate. Yeah. Well, and this this puppy has flown through iteration after iteration, prototype after proof of concept after oh, prototype, yeah. uh, going back into what the fifties. Oh, the yeah. very first tilt engine stuff was flying in the in the late fifties. Uh, I remember seeing a demo at Andrews Air Force Base. Of uh, I believe it was a NASA research vehicle being flown in conjunction with Bell, uh, and uh, the uh, V twenty two label didn't apply yet. The Osprey name didn't apply yet. It was just the tilt rotor, quote unquote. And it was such a stunning demonstration of what the machine could do that most of the conversation uh, in debate at the time focused on the practicality of communities accepting the center city to center city heliports right. that right. were going to be right. necessary for tilt rotor to have any economic viability. Otherwise, everything else had to take off from a, same, from a real airport. It had to take off at a real airport, too. It had no, it had no advantage. Yeah. It was just expensive. Nobody really questioned that they would ever solve the technical aspects of it until they started to put the puppy into real world use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I'm looking at a at a post on one of these uh, websites that we've been clicking on here. Uh, just a comment talking about the um, uh, the Osprey, and guy seems you know know what he's talking about talking about maintenance uh, issues or, or high maintenance costs versus pure rotorcraft. Um, um, they still haven't really solved the vortex ring state issue, but they've modified the operating envelope to to eliminate it or, or uh, uh, go around it, um, things like that. So, I mean, it's it's a different type of aircraft um, and requires different operational uh, concerns to be applied. Um, I just want my flying car. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was promised a flying car. My friends at Terrafugia are working on it. They're working on it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They're hiring too, by the way. Did you see the <laughs> Did you see the See, we're going to run you, really you long. Think I make this stuff no, up. No, I know. No, we have no, we I have don't make this stuff up. We have I'm a, just I didn't realize that you were part-time as an employment agency. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have at least well, I'm one. I'm always intrigued by these kinds of things. Yeah. Now, now, my my youngest daughter's uh, boyfriend is a structural engineer who recently got the job of a lifetime, working as the structural engineer on Shanghai Disney. 
That would be the roller coasters. Yes, this young man at 24 is a roller coaster construction engineer. Doesn't get much better than that. Oh, yeah, I know. Huh? No, it doesn't. So he was just involved in the great uh, opening of Fantasyland. But uh, my my daughter was was, and you know who she is. You guys know yeah. Leah um, was moaning and groaning about how how Carlos had to go to work from nine p.m. to two a.m. because he was uh, checking everything out before they opened. And for Disney, that mean, means you go to you go there when they close the park. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you're showing up when everybody else is going home. Right. Exactly, exactly. So just as an aside here, so, you know, yeah, I sound like I'm in the employment business, but it's only because, you know, yeah, I got to yeah, get my yeah, daughter's yeah. boyfriends gainfully employed. I'm not, I'm not or sure my daughter's. Is, <laughs> I'm not sure which is most newsworthy, that your daughter's boyfriends have jobs or that there is, in fact, a Disney Shanghai. Yeah, there you go. 2016. 2016 does uh, does your daughter. Disney Shanghai. Does your, does your daughter enjoy uh, roller coasters? Well, yeah, actually, she does. She does. You know, she's a software engineer these days. So mm-hmm. Higdon knows the whole story, but that's only because I fed him a whole lot of sushi. Yeah. So did, speaking of Disney, did you guys see the, uh, did you guys see the video of the, of the flying dragon that they've got as part of this new fantasy land, I think it is? Uh, yeah, I did. And I got to tell you that I know the inside story on that, but I'm not allowed to tell. Well, the inside story, well, I can tell because the inside story is public information now. Um, so the, there's video, I'm trying to find it right now to show you guys. <laughs> there's video of this dragon flying overhead Disneyland. And oh, come on, it's topical. It's a flying dragon. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dragons are very, very hot these days. No question about it. Um, Whoa. And um, and it looks pretty cool. All right. And at first you think, okay, you know, it's just like traveling along across along a cable that's strung from two high objects. But apparently not. Apparently it maneuvers much more than that. And uh, and it shows the dragon. You know, the wings flapping and the whole body of the dragon and the spotlights flying on it. And uh, and uh, and another website altogether showed some test photos of this. Apparently, it's a paraglider. Can you talk about this, Amy? It's a it's a paraglider, and the dragon ha- the dragon structure is the fuselage, and uh, and and sort of above the wings is a is a cockpit where the pilot sits, and uh, and there's a big fan a big engine you know pusher prop engine behind the pilot, um, sort of above the the dragon's wings. And and I would imagine that everything except the dragon is painted all black, so that you, it's very very difficult to see. This was flying at night, by the way, so that's one of the reasons why. This is really cool. That yeah. that is, is really cool. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you, yeah. Did, I got it. I got to tell you, but no, Carlos is Carlos. You know, he actually likes his job, and Disney is about as tight lipped and and conservative an organization to work for than anybody. And he actually works for a company that works for Disney. So given that he got his job in October, you have more details than I'd have about this. Yeah. I mean, right I, now. I think I found it. Here we go. Yeah, uh, I found it too. So he seemed like a sharp young man when we had uh, sushi. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I would agree to all. So I just sent you a link. That's a bunch of pictures of the test flights that were oh, done. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Um, Thank you. That show this thing flying in the daytime, um, and uh, it's 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 kind of cool, and uh, it looks a video link. 
Okay, thank you. And it looks very real. It, flying at night, at least on video, it looked very, very cool. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Okay, so anyways, that's Disney's Flying Dragon. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, okay. Well, we, yeah, we'll fly that out of your backyard. Uh, oh, it's shooting off flares. Yeah, it's got the breeze, yeah, the breeze I mean, fire, on. man. It's now, a dragon. There's the job you want. You want to be that yeah. pilot. I want to be that guy. Yeah. Right. Jeb, it's yeah. not even that long a commute. You no, would it's commute not. once a week it's to not. do that. Exactly. Yeah, this like is a, This is a no-brainer. Jeb's lived in Florida for, what, five years, four years now? How, long, how many times have you visited Orlando? Like, none? No, but if I'm, he had this job, he'd show up. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to pilot the flying dragon. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do for a living, sir? Oh, I fly a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> man. Shout outs. What do we got I can here? just imagine begging off to family saying, man, I, ca- I can't come to the party tonight. My ass is just dragging. Oh, yeah. oh all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note. Oh, shout outs. I want to send a shout out to, uh, to a gentleman who, let's see now, I believe his name is Thomas Guy Reynolds of Martinsburg, West Virginia, who oh, yeah. for his 100th birthday went flying all right he's an active pilot to uh, to this day and uh, every year on his birthday he goes flying uh, and uh, in recent years um, out, out of uh, you know good sense he does not fly alone but uh, his safety pilot who went along with him on his hundredth birthday flight says that he never ever touched the controls that uh, that Reynolds did all the flying and uh, was totally in control and and just you know there we go there's a there's a goal to live your life by here here indeed yeah indeed. Yeah, story doesn't include this information yeah but i want to know how old the safety pilot was <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know you never not know. a day over 70 i swear <laughs> so anyways that's my say it doesn't say in the the, the uh, newspaper article mm-hmm. either so that's my shout out to thomas guy reynolds my new hero and uh uh very cool. Indeed, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yep. Most definitely. Most yep. definitely. Dave, tell us a little bit about this Operation Good Cheer. I like this thing. Oh, it's pilots helping deliver gifts all over the uh, state of Michigan, basically. I love uh, this idea. I love it. Yeah, it's it, it kind of takes the... Uh, What's the island out there in the Chesapeake where they, they do Tan- toy Tangier. flight? Tangier, thank. Okay, imagine a Tangier Island flight where you go out to this little isolated community and, and, and help deliver a Christmas like nothing else and expand that around a state where it impacts about 4,500, 5,000 kids. Uh, and that's... That's Operation Good Cheer. A whole bunch of volunteers from the uh, Metro Detroit Airport. Uh, They collected at Pentastar Aviation, helped circulate the toys. They got delivered by air. Uh, It's uh, quite an operation. And I think a testament to what people can do just out of a sense of being human. Very cool. Very cool. Other shout-outs? Jeb? Amy? I can't top the flying dragon thing. Yeah, the flying dragon thing is just too cool. Okay. It's it's very tempting. I think I'm going to have to make Barry yeah, put I, in an application. That is definitely going to get you some night hours. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I guess we're done <laughs> most then. Most certainly, most certainly. No, I think this Operation Good Cheer is just is just the most wonderful thing. And um, also, I wanna I wanna put in my kudos to all the people who have worked tirelessly in the Northeast after um, Superstorm Sandy, because we've had we've had a ton of flights through NBAA and a couple of the other um, uh, charity flight organizations um, out there, Angel Flight, et cetera. And they have really made a difference in getting supplies to people and getting helping people get their lives back on track. And following up what, what Amy said, and as we get closer to the change in year, don't let this slide off your radar screen if you're capable of helping because this need's not going to go away quickly yep well thank you folks it's always fun uh amy laboda is there she's a uh, freelance aviation writer and uh, the editor-in-chief of aviation for women magazine uh amy anything you've been working on fun any uh, articles coming out that we can look for uh yeah actually my january february magazine is at the printer as we were speaking, I looked and I saw the upload notes come through. Um, but we have some really cool stuff in that magazine, in including a neat uh, story about women in Middle Eastern aviation, just mm. in time for the MEBA conference, the Middle Eastern Business Aviation Association meeting. So uh, it's, it's some very cool stuff. I also do a Women in the Business of Aviation series, and I have a great story about Rose Air, which is a woman who um, did a single engine, single airplane, uh, Part One Thirty Five, in in the Northeast, so or Northwest, excuse me, Northwest. There, you can fix that, can't you, Jack? Um, so, lots of interesting stuff. We're looking forward to our conference in Nashville in March, and uh, things are rolling along. Yeah. No, I, I'm not going to fix it because I shouldn't be the only one here that they give a hard time to about not knowing east from west. So, <laughs> uh, And where in general, Amy, can they find you on the Internet? Uh, they can find me at www.wai.org or www.afw or aviationforwomen.org. Uh, I also do a little writing for AIN Online these days, so my name pops up there every now and again. Very cool, very cool. And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been up to? You just finished a new magazine. Anything just, else? Just finished the January issue, um, and glad to see it go sailing off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lovely feeling, isn't it? It really yeah. is a marvelous yeah. feeling. Um, working on a couple of other little projects here that I can't really talk about. So, um, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I'm going to find my resume and dust it off and, and ship it out to China. Yeah, really. <laughs> there you, you go. Ooh, yeah. By the way, every now and again, Jeb gets me to do some stuff for aviation safety. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got uh, we got one come up for February, as I recall. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. And Jeb, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Um, <laughs> Me neither, but I ask see. everybody, so I Avi- have to. Yeah, com, uh, com. sometimes, uh, oh, recently actually, on avweb.com and uh, aea.net. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, what have you been working on? Well, uh, got a new piece uh, in Avionics News Magazine's December issue. 
that takes a look at uh, where uh, we stand with the progression of ADSB in terms of airborne products and the ground network and the FAA's uh, progression toward actually making something work out of this. Uh, <laughs> so it, it a lot of detail, an easy read. If you uh, happen to come across avionics news, that's 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 in the December's. Yeah. So what's the the elevator pitch on that? Uh, it counter rotates. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, where can people find you? And we'll explain it to them later, Chip. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, David? Oh well, uh, aea.net. If you want to look up stuff from avionics news, uh, avbuyer.com has the link to World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Chips. Uh, <clears throat> Jeb's Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, we show up there periodically. Uh, and uh, otherwise, just do a Google search and throw a dart. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and say I've made some really great progress over the last uh, week or so on uh, Around the Field Volume 2, the collection of my uh, columns from uh, from the uh, Oshkosh Fly-In. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that by the time people hear this, that book may be available in the Kindle bookstore. So uh, if you're at all interested, uh, go to Amazon.com slash author slash Jack Hodgson, and hopefully by then you will see volume two uh, as well as volume one and oddly enough volume zero of my around the field collection of uh, columns um, and uh, in general learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net big thanks to jeff ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums uh, please take a few minutes and check out echo the general aviation online media channel at uncontrolledairspace.com slash echo uh, and don't forget to check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. You can see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, were you going to say something? Give yourself the gift of old age, long life, and go fly this holiday because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMF. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.